1: On your Tuesday episode of Locked On Raptors, Yaka Purtle was an absolute revelation upon his arrival in Toronto at the trade deadline. But are there questions about his long-term fit with the Raptors as he hits unrestricted free agency this summer? We'll examine those questions and more as we start our player review series with Yaka Purtle. Thanks so much for hanging. Oh, like because when I shot I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of miss.
0: You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day.
1: what's going on? Welcome to episode number 1383 of Lockdown Raptors, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all of my work over on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can subscribe to the podcast for free wherever you get your podcasts, YouTube, all the different podcast apps. It's free. Subscribe so you never miss the next episode. You can follow the show on Instagram, Lockdown Raptors, and you can join the Lockdown Raptors Discord server. The link is in the description of this podcast. It's a ton of fun, lots of uh, just thoughtful, friendly, copacetic conversation about the Toronto Raptors. Not a thing you can find on the internet in all very many corners these days. So come hang out. It's a lovely little place. We got Vivek Jacob in there dropping his takes. Uh, Lots of great folks. And throughout this player review series that we're kicking off today, I will be taking one Discord question per day about whichever player we're talking. I'll use that in the final segment of the show. So jump on into the Discord. It is in the description and I look forward to seeing you in there. And with that, uh, let's get to today's show. Today's show is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code NBA for $20 off your first purchase. That's last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed with GameTime. All right, let's get to it. This is an annual rite of passage here on Lockdown Raptors. The season ends, and as soon as that happens, we dig into individual player reviews. And I'm starting things off here with Jakob Purtle because I think Jakob Purtle's presence informs a lot of what we're going to talk about with the other guys coming up as we dig into our player reviews here. And I think it's fitting to start with Yak because his arrival in the team was the most monumental shift that we've seen for this team in the last couple seasons. It completely... I don't, I don't want to say ended the vision six foot nine of it all with the Raptors and their front office philosophy, but it certainly signaled a recognition from the front office that they had maybe erred in the way they built this team, kind of for one style of play and one style only. And my hope is that the arrival of Jakob Purtle will ultimately lead to a more uh, multiplicitous style of play from the Raptors. A big word. You got it from a toilet paper. Um, we're going to dig in today to the stuff that was good with Yak on the team, the stuff that was not so good, the stuff that could be cause for concern long term. And we'll dig into the question of his future. Plus, we got that Discord question that we'll get to in the last segment as well. Let's start off, though, with what was good. And honestly, this is pretty simple. Simply acquiring Jakob Purtle. Was good. The Raptors were a much better basketball team after getting Jakob Pertl than they were before they had him. Full stop. End of story. The team made more sense. The Raptors starting five, which they had, you know, kind of struggled to figure out over the course of the season. The small ball starters were okay, but not great. Kind of barely scraping past even in terms of on off differential. But when you bring in Yak Capirtle, you create the starting five of Yak, Siakam, Scotty, Barnes, O.G. Ananobi, and Fred Van Vliet. That lineup was one of the best lineups in basketball after the trade deadline, and uh, I think a real thing to build on if you're the Raptors going into next season. Lots went wrong this year. The arrival of Yak and the way that starting five really took off is certainly something that did not go wrong as much as it didn't bear fruit. In the postseason, uh, just a little refresher on what Jakubertel cost for the Raptors to acquire. It was a first-round pick in 2024, top six protected. Uh, you know, you can quibble with how much you like or dislike giving away a pick next season. For me, I'm fine with the cost of acquisition, especially having seen what he did on the floor for the Raptors. Obviously. In a vacuum, you know that it's different than the sort of context that the Raptors find themselves in. And I think in a vacuum, it's better looking than it is maybe just with where the Raptors are, um, considering they've traded out first-round picks, they've had talent drain, all that stuff. I understand if you are upset with the lack of a first-round pick next season. That said, all signs point towards next year's draft from all the experts suggesting that it's not a very good draft. The Raptors have a lottery pick this year. They'll get him into the system. That's great. Um, You know, this team also, I think, signaled that they don't want to tank or tear it down to the studs and build up around a 21-year-old Scotty Barnes and hope that it turns into something. They signaled that, no, we have some good players on this team. We think this is worth investing in here to see what we can build on here. And for me... I'm always going to prefer the keep good players and try to build from the middle, uh, which is doable as much as there's this whole sort of don't be in the middle sort of you know boogeyman that kind of lurks around every corner with every 40-something win team. Uh, there is a pathway to build from the middle. The Raptors have done it in the past, and I think that's what they've kind of signaled here is what they want to do is they want to have internal growth. They want to ride Scotty Barnes's eventual ascendance into probably being the best player on the team in the next couple seasons. Hopefully, that would be great for the team. If not, things are troublesome. Um, But to me, it feels like this is a, a signal that they're not going to tear this thing down to the studs no matter what. And so, as far as first-round pick, Kem Birch, who was not doing much for the team anyway and had a pretty prohibitive contract, uh, six million bucks he was owed next year as well, so you get off that money, that's valuable. Uh, And then a couple second-round picks and, like, I just can't be moved to care about second round picks. Yes, it's nice to have them, but also you can survive without them and it's no problem. And they're basically just like uh, pennies that you throw into uh, trades now, apparently. like They're just like the new currency that sweetens deals to make it palatable for both sides. I'm perfectly fine giving up a couple second round picks. Um, you're just as likely, I think, to find a decent player as an undrafted free agent as you are to find a good player with a 45th overall pick or 43rd, I guess would be what the Raptors have this season had they had their second Second rounder, you know, Delano Banton was 46. David Johnson was 47. Outside of that sort of upper crust of the second round, I typically don't really care all that much about later second round picks. And you can find undrafted guys and, and get success out of that as well. And oftentimes, there's incentive for undrafted guys to, in fact, become undrafted and not get picked in the second round because there's a little more agency that these guys have. Either way, second round picks, not this is about. We're talking about Jakob Pertle. And Jakob Pertl was really good when he was on the floor for the Raptors. 13 points, 9 boards, 2 assists. uh, Down an assist from where he was with the Spurs. Obviously, lots of guys have the ball in their hands on the Raptors, but I think there's maybe even more to milk out of Jakob playmaking next season if they can kind of get a little more of that elbow action rolling. I think there's also room for him to be a little more effective on the short roll. That's probably going to require the team to have a little bit more shooting around him, which we'll talk about in the next segment. Um, But overall, Yak was really, really, really effective. You know, he shot... 57% 57% from the line. There were moments where he looked all right. He had that, what, seven of seven game that the Raptors wasted from the line. Um, that's always going to be a bit of a hangup. But if you're above 55-ish percent, you're pretty much in the clear of like the, the hack a yak zone. And if you can stay out of that zone and you can actually be on the floor late in games and not have the whole flow of games disrupted, because teams are just going to foul you happened a couple times this season, but not much. I remember Jokic had a intentional foul on Yakupurtle at one point in one of their games. Um, But for the most part, he is, I think overcoming the sort of free throw issues just, just by like the tiniest of margins to make him viable out there. Um, You know, uh, i i think it's obvious like the Raptors were a better team with him. They were plus 13.4 per points per 100 possessions in terms of the differential between when, when yak was on the floor and when he was off, they were like a plus nine with him on the floor minus four ish when they, when he was off. And it's obvious, right? It's just such a clear indicator of how badly the Raptors needed center skills, dudes who can do the things that centers have done on basketball floors in memoriam, set screens, protect the rim, score around the basket, Jacoperto brings all three of those things, baby, and a whole lot more, a little bit of passing, a little bit of, um, you know, extra offensive juice with with his, um, you know, the the little floater he's got and stuff like that. You know, he was really, really effective. Again, part of it, I, I think, is probably, like, He looks great because the guy who had been filling his spot before was nothing. They didn't have a center before, and so his arrival is so stark. It's such a drastic contrast from what the team looked like before he arrived, but you can't argue. He was really effective when he was on the floor for the Raptors. It was not just a uh, center-colored glasses thing that we were getting excited about. Um, you know, this is a dude that knows what he does well. I think that's the the best thing about Jakob Pertle, right? He doesn't try to um, do too much outside of his wheelhouse. He knows he can pass from the elbows. He knows he can protect the rim. He knows he can have that little float shot that works for him, score around the bucket, crash the offensive glass. He's not taking stuff away by doing things that are not part of his wheelhouse and I think that's a really important thing to have 65.2 effective field goal percentage as a Raptor just having that solid at the rim and around the rim scoring uh you know the the Raptors I've talked about this their spacing is tough and they need badly need uh, I I think to really kind of spam the two-point game spam the rim scoring range because they're not very good from three-point range. It's just not what they have. They don't have the the shooting on their roster, so they have to counteract that by being incredibly good at scoring two-pointers efficiently, and I think Jacoperto can get them on that path. He's been one of the most efficient scorers as far as big men go, field goal percentage, all that stuff, for years in the NBA, and that, I think, was a really nice addition. You have a dependably efficient player who's not going to take stuff away from you most nights. Um, the other thing, too, is he made other guys better, right? Like, OG took off. OG Ananobi's best stretch of basketball as a professional came after Pertle arrived. He really seemed to thrive with the opportunistic buckets that the passing of Yak created, that the role gravity of Yak created. And I think that partnership is really, really nice. And it makes a ton of sense on paper, Right. I also think we saw OG get emboldened to be a better defender with Jakob Purtle because Yak's back there to clean up the messes. OG could you know, be that 5%, 10% more aggressive in certain situations, jump that extra passing lane knowing that Jakob Purtle was there and not just like an absolute void of rim protection like there was in the first part of the season. Um, so OG got better. Fred Van Vliet played his best basketball of the season upon the arrival his eyes just lit up at the idea of having a role man to throw passes to and to have an actual guy to set screens for him hard screens that get contact create space get him going downhill it was massive for fred obviously the three-point shooting for fred not amazing um but you know that i think that's kind of independent of his effect or the effect that yakup had on him and i think you know, for those who were concerned about Fred VanVleet's viability going forward, I think Jakob Purtle seems to have, um, you know, quelled some of the concerns. Obviously, he's not perfect; he, he gets blown by on defense, all that stuff. But you cannot look. And what happened with Fred Van Vliet after the Yakka pertle trade and say he got worse because Yak was there. He got, in fact, much better and more effective, and that was great to see. They had a core staple play they could run. Yak, Fred pick and roll, and they got a lot of good stuff out of it. And I look forward to hopefully that being a partnership they can lean on to a little bit more next year. Even I think, you know, him and Scotty Barnes found some good chemistry. There was lots to like about Yakapurtle's arrival in the team. They played normal basketball, they looked like a real just, hey, Alien comes to Earth, you can show them their like their, their their games, and it actually is a good representation of what normal basketball teams do, as opposed to the freak ball, the alien ball the Raptors were playing before the arrival of Jakob Pertle. It wasn't all perfect, though, and we'll get into some of that in just a second here. In particular, it can be a little bit concerning to, to realize that the arrival of Jakob Pirtle maybe neutered the efficiency and the effectiveness of the Raptors best player. I think that might be a little overstated, but we'll get to that in just a second and what the effect of Yaka was on Pascal Siakam and what that means going forward. Before we do that, gotta tell you, better friends over at Game Time, buying tickets to your favorite event should not be stressful. Right now, it's the playoffs. Maybe you're on a whim wanting to go down to a big game seven. Whether you're a hockey fan, whether you're a basketball fan, it's all there for you, available on Game Time. You can get those tickets right up to the last minute. You don't, don't gotta plan months in advance weeks in advance, days in advance. You could do it the day of. Maybe you got a random off day because your boss gave the afternoon off and you want to head into the the Leafs game uh, as they get ready for their series against Tampa tonight. Game time's the place to do it. Forget all of the planning. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy theater, and more. With game time, they got deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. And you always get the best price with the game time guarantee, which means you find tickets in the same section and row for less. Game Game time will give you credit you 110% of the difference. That's a great deal. You can get images of your seat before you buy, so you know what to expect as well. You know the sight lines you're walking into. Download the Game Time app, create an account and use the code Locked On NBA for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem Locked On NBA for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets the lowest lowest price. Guaranteed.
0: This is Jake from Locked On. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
1: All right, continuing on here with your first listen of the day. Just a reminder, we continue player review season all week long. And Monday, the beginning of the YouTube exclusive series, Ranking Every Raptor, the return, the reprise of my former Raptors HQ written column in video form. Very much looking forward to counting down all of the Toronto Raptors with you throughout the offseason. That comes Monday as we start off from the very bottom, player number 269. Uh, we might do like a batch of players. I have yet to figure out the exact rollout schedule just yet, but rank in every Raptor. Subscribe to the YouTube channel so you don't miss it. Please do that. It's much appreciated. okay. Uh, Let's dive in now to the bad stuff with Yakup Hurdle, the stuff that was not so hot, the stuff that maybe leaves a little bit of concern going into the offseason. I think number one is the Pascal Siakam adjustment phase that came in. All told... Pascal basically got back to his season-long numbers or, or just shy scoring-wise, um, maybe just a smidge shy efficiency-wise as well. I didn't check after the last couple games, but leading into the last couple games, Pascal Siakam had basically returned to his usual form with Jakob on the team. There was an adjustment period there, though, where it looked like Pascal did not know where his spots were, where he could go and attack. That got massaged out as time went along. Problem was, there's still a little bit of a concern to me with the spacing conundrum, right? And and Vivek talked about this yesterday. The everyday listeners of the podcast will know. Uh, Big V talked about this yesterday in the podcast. He actually talked about it in the Discord a little bit more in expanded form. If you want to jump in the Discord, that's the sweet, sweet expanded analysis you're getting, baby. Um, But look, the spacing of a Yakapurdle, Pascal Siakam, Scotty Barnes front court is going to be a concern. This was my biggest concern the day of the trade. It was the reason I gave the trade a C, tentatively waiting to see what happened in the offseason before making a full grade but it was the reason before the yak trade that i had kind of softened on the idea of yak Purtle as a target for the raptors because pascal and, and scotty are probably going to be better suited if they can play next to a spacing big this is why miles turner was the apple of mine and everybody else's in toronto's eye it seemed going into the deadline before he signed that extension you know, I still think that the the idea of a shooting big man, if you gave the Raptors front office truth serum, they would say, you know what, uh, I, I would like to have myself a shooting big man to pair with Pascal and Scottie. Jakob Pertl is not that. He does other stuff to compensate for the fact he doesn't shoot, right? He can still space with his passing. He can work at the elbows, create laneways and passing lanes and driving lanes that way. But ultimately... The three-four-five, if you're not getting much shooting out of those guys, you're gonna be in tough offensively. There's cramped spacing. There's, you know, I think they overcome it pretty well with just like excellent interior passing. But as we saw in the play-in game with the Bulls, you can just collapse in down on that sort of trio of dudes trying to make havoc inside 18 feet, eventually there's just no space and passing lanes can crumble and you can get sort of duped into turnovers, which is exactly what happened and what led to the Raptors losing that game against the bulls. And I think you could look at that and get a little worried about what the long-term ramifications of that front court could be. You know, it's tough. Like, can you always close with Jakob Purtle? I think is sort of the big overarching question that stems from this, right? And is it a problem if he can't close every game? I think you can probably overcome it just because he's not going to earn, we'll talk about this in the next segment, but he's not going to earn like no-brainer 35-minute-a-night starter money. And if you actually have players who can slide in and, and assume different roles, I think Precious Achua stands out. Is like If he could be more refined and a little bit better and a little bit more consistent, he's your backup center for different situations in which it's not really Jakob Purtle's time. It's not really his forte as far as the game style, the opponent, whatever. Um, You know, Gary Trent Jr., we saw, close in place of Yak and to provide shooting. They tried to do it in the Bulls game, but Gary Trent Jr. was just, you know, in the midst of having one of his worst games as a professional basketball player, and so they had to go back to Yak. And, you know, we saw the effects of that uh, and the cramped spacing that we saw on on offense, in particular, as a result. And so that is a question, right? Like, is it worth investing in a guy who you don't know for sure you can close every game with? And my sort of response to that is... Look, you're never going to find a perfect fit in the NBA. There are 450 players in the league. There are 17 roster spots. And part of the puzzle of team building is making it work with the players you can get into the door, whether players you go and target or players who come through the door by the sheer luck and randomness of the NBA and the draft and how that just has so much bearing over what your franchise does. Just the players you're able to get in the door. You can't go and get every player in the door. It's just not how it works. And so can you work with imperfectly matching pieces? There are no teams in the NBA that are perfect. If you could build a perfect team, every team would be the 2017 and 18 Golden State Warriors. You just can't do that. There are going to be flaws you have to overcome with any roster, the Cleveland Cavaliers right now are dealing with two bigs who don't shoot and a wing who kind of stinks, and they are still in the playoffs and we're the 4 seed. Like, you can have success even with these sort of imperfections in your fit and your court geometry and all that stuff. And I do think that Pascal Siakam and Scotty Barnes stand a decent chance with the skills they have of being decent compliments to Yaka Purtle. but I think really where it comes in is how do you respond when Yak can't be out there? Do you have other options you can go to? And I don't know if you can really lay it at the feet of Jakob Pertl that the Raptors did not have those options this time around. Are we concerned about the closing question, if in fact the Raptors have a sixth or seventh guy they can count on to assume that role? And is it in fact a, a strength to be had and to be sort of happy about that you have different options for different games? This is the thing the Raptors have lacked the last couple seasons is stylistic diversity. They just play one way, and that's the way they play. And it, it runs entirely counter to the exact model that won them a championship in 2019, where the whole thing about that team was we can play with Kawhi, we can play without Kawhi. We can play with Marcus as our sort of hub of offense. We can go with Serge Ibaka as our trigger man at the five. We can play both of them together. We can play neither of them and go super small with Pascal at the five or whatever you want. Like they had all of this optionality on that team. It was the reason they were able to navigate some really, really difficult and very different series on the road to winning the championship. And this Raptors team doesn't have that right now. Just because Yakup Purdle can't close games every single time out, whether it's because his shooting uh, is an issue or the free throw problems or just the, the way teams are defending or, or the way maybe a spacing big is pulling Yak out away from the rim, um, which is another thing we can talk about. We'll actually get to sort of in our, in our listener question from Discord. Um, but, you know, this is still a thing to grapple with. It, it, it's ultimately... As much as I like Jakob Purtle, as much as I think this is probably what they're going to try to do next season to see if they can make it work, um, there's there's something to be said about like maybe the front office panicked a little bit here. They couldn't do it sooner for reasons out of their control, probably. You know, the Spurs were asking for two first-round picks. I don't think you were doing that for a pending UFA, all of that. Um, but they go and make this trade because it's just so obvious they badly need a center. Everyone in the league knows they need a center, so they go make this trade. They get Jakob Pertl, and, you know... He's not one of the seven or eight really viable shooting big men who you can go and throw in your starting lineup in the league. So there's the imperfect fit there to to deal with. And you give yourself just 26 games to sort it out, to test it out, see how it all works, while also adding a third pending UFA to your mix when already the UFA question was kind of hanging over the season. And the Raptors front office put themselves in a really tough spot here. I don't think we can fully judge this trade until we see how they thread the needle this summer. But if it blows up, if Yak leaves or they, they don't assemble a proper roster around Scotty and Pascal or you know h- however you want to build it, if it doesn't look like a more sensible basketball team going into next season and it's due to the difficult bind they put themselves into with their offseason maneuvering that they have to pull off... I think you could look back at this as being kind of a panicked trade and the kind of trade that, uh, you know, you look back on and just really, really regret for a long time. I don't necessarily think that's an outcome here that I would think is likely, but it is an outcome on the spectrum of outcomes is that this gets looked back upon as a trade that put the Raptors into a bind and uh, they kind of had to settle for an imperfect fit again. It's not like you could just go and pluck any shooting big man from the world and throw him on the team. Serge Ibaka, unfortunately, is not seven years younger than he is. If he were, he's probably the starting center on this team right now. Or at least a very good backup to Jakob Pertl, who gives you that optionality. Um, But that's just not how it works. It's imperfect. You can't control when players are going to be available. And so I, I think they did about as good as they could do, considering the circumstances, to address the center. The other sort of side of this is do you just leave it and don't touch the center position and just let the season waste away? I did not want to see that because I think tanking stinks and not trying to win is is, is nonsense. And uh, the Raptors would have been actively not trying to win had they seen their biggest flaw and not addressed it at the deadline. Um, and I ultimately just view this, the deal, as sort of getting a head start in the offseason, which I think a lot of teams should probably do more at the trade deadline, is use it as a tool to sort of start your offseason plans in motion, get a head start on the rest of the league, but the fit issue is certainly going to be a thing that comes up and it's not the last time we're going to talk about the Scotty Pascal yacht trio and whether it can work. That said, I think see in particular Feels like he could be on a track to being a pretty good three-point shooter. Yes, it's been up and down. He was like 33% this season. He had hot stretches, cold stretches. Um, He had really great stretches after the act trade in terms of corner shooting. Kind of fell off by the end of the season. But I I think, you know, he's got a mid-range bag now. He's got the stroke. I, I feel like he's as hard a worker as there is. And... If yeah, if Pascal Siakam comes back next season and is a 35, 36, 37% three-point shooter, things can look a lot easier, especially with yet with Scotty Barnes maybe kind of taking a level up with the ball in his hands. If you can run Scotty Yak pick and roll, for example, which will require more shooting chops from Scotty for sure. But if you can run that, you can dot Siakam, OG, and Fred around them as sort of your spacing options. Um, let Siakam sprinkle in his own creation from time to time as well. Give him stretches with no yak on the floor to improve the spacing he's working with there's a way to make it work that's on the coaching staff that's on the front office to get creative in the way they piece this roster together Um, but it certainly is not a perfect situation and there's a lot of blow-up potential if they don't manage and massage this fit correctly we're going to come back on the other side Get into the offseason outlook for, for Yak. Will he be back on the team? Will he not? And uh, what might he be back for in terms of a figure? We'll get to that in just one sec. Plus, our Discord question of the day to close out the show. Before we do that, however, I must tell you about our dear friends over at Prize Picks who've made daily fantasy sports super fun, super easy, and super accessible. All you got to do is download the Prize Picks app, and the world is your oyster for daily fantasy sports every single day in the sports world. Uh, obviously the basketball playoffs are going on right now. You got the NHL playoffs. You got MLB. You got the WNBA ramping up very soon here as well. Lots of sports for you to get into the daily fantasy sports fix. You can do cross sport entries. All you're doing is picking from two to six players on an entry. And if they will go more or less than the projection for a given stat. So uh, I was going to say Luka Doncic. He's not in the playoffs. Kevin Durant, tonight against the Clippers, 25.5 points. More or less, you say more he gets over that, you are going to win that portion of your entry. If you get all six entries correct, or six 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 picks on your excuse me, if you get all six picks on your entry correct, you can win up to 25 times your money. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Safe and fast withdrawals as well. Currently operational in over 30 states and in Canada and every province except for Ontario at the moment. Download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks when the promo code locked on. The means if you put in 100 bucks of your own money, 100 bucks of Prize Picks money will join your 100 bucks in your account for you to play with that is a great deal don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for instant deposit match up to $100 with prize picks
0: the NBA playoffs are right around the corner and locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama every Monday Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the NBA playoffs mark your calendars to listen to locked on NBA every Monday to be up to date
1: All right, we continue on here, closing out your first listen of the day. Huge shout-out, as always, to the everyday listeners of the podcast. And a reminder that Ranking Every Raptor is returning on Monday. I'm very excited to talk about Lamarck Baker and Garth Joseph and all your other favorites. Bruno Caboclo. We'll talk about him pretty early on as well. Uh, Not to mention all the very good players that we'll get into as we go along. Player interviews, hopefully, with some of the folks on the list. Uh, Other chats with our Raptors internet pals. All that good stuff. Ranking Every Raptor. Keep an eye out. Anyway. Close this out. Jakob Pertl and his future with the Toronto Raptors. It feels preordained that Jakob Pertl is going to be back with Toronto. Um, you don't give up a first round pick if you don't intend to bring a guy back. Everything seems to suggest that Yaka Pirtle's happy here and wants to be here. Um, It's hard to parse, obviously. You never know. These things can change. It's the NBA. Nothing is certain. But Yaka to me, seems like he's pretty all right in his station in Toronto. He's got his best bud, Pascal Siakam. Hopefully, uh, you know, they can kind of iron out the fit there and make it all work. Um, But to me, it feels like he's going to be back. He might be the top priority, honestly. Like, yes, Fred Van Vliet is a very important player to lock up to, unless there's an upgrade on his skills out there just don't see that really happening right now um but as far as locking in your anchor at center you know it, it feels like it's gonna happen with Jakob pertle um from everything out there i've kind of rooted around some people who are in knowledge with the team 17 to 20 million kind of sounds like the range he's gonna land in you might think that He's going to have the Raptors over a barrel um, after the end of the season he had where he looked really good. I think maybe that's overstated. Like, I I think there's a very real counter argument the Raptors can make where it's like, well, we tried to, like, not have you on the floor in the end of the play-in game. And your free throws are kind of a mess. Like, not that you want to go and denigrate a player, but this is what negotiations are going to entail. And I think there are, you know, equal... Upsides and downsides to Yakupertel that he can go and argue for whenever his ar- agents are arguing for him to get paid. But everything sounds like seventeen to twenty million a year is going to be what it is for Yakupertel, and I think that's perfectly fine. Yes, there's the downside to paying him if the fit doesn't work out, and is it ideal to sort of anchor your team around a center who doesn't exactly fit with the two guys who you figure are going to be your best players going forward right now? I think it's probably a year away. You get Yak locked up now, and then you get next year to kind of see, all right, can they work this fit a little bit better? Does Pascal come back a refreshed three-point shooter? Does Scottie Barnes come back a 33 or 34% three-point shooter around that sort of area where three-point shots become super-duper efficient and the shots you want to go for? 33% is kind of the, the, the area you want to be. Can you get Scottie Barnes to that range and without knowledge of whether you can do that I think it would be pretty foolish to go and blow up that trio before we really have more data on it. It's 26 games that we have in the books right now and I think you got to see what does it look like over the course of a full season? How are they able to adapt and massage their game plan, their offensive stylings to work around their limitations and how do you layer in potentially an expanded three-point package from pascal or scotty i think pascal is far more likely to have an uptick next season he's had three-point shooting seasons of success in his past all of that um again the mid-range game is there I-, I think there's a pathway here but certainly there's a downside if it doesn't all come together and a year from now you might be looking at having to blow up that trio that's certainly on the table here is a thing that could happen but ultimately do i think he's going to be back yes i do the fit's in perfect. It might require a shakeup down the line. But Yak is good. He's going to cost you like a crazy amount of money. You know, 17 to 20 million bucks is a perfectly reasonable amount of money to play, pay into him. And frankly, to acquire him for a first round pick and not re-sign him, that would be some piss poor asset management that you could absolutely roast the Raptors front office for if that does go down. That would be an absolute disaster, no doubt about it. But I think he'll be back, and I'm pretty happy and excited to see if they can massage that fit. Because guess what? Jakob Pertl, for all his uh, foibles and sort of the—that's not even his foibles. It's just the things that are realities within the construct of this team, even with all of that, he made the Raptors better. He made them the sixth best defense after the trade deadline. The offense took its time, and that was always my biggest concern. But uh, I think there's a pretty good baseline here of something to build upon with that trio as your front court going forward. Uh, let's get to the question here to close it out from Jay Rich in the Discord. Welcome to the Discord, Jay Rich. Regular question asker of the podcast on mailbags and all that. Uh, but if you want your questions read as we go through these player reviews, drop a question into the Discord server, and I will pick one each day to answer. And this one is, does Yaka pertle have the lateral... F- uh, sorry, let me just get this brought up on the screen. Does Yak have the lateral footwork to fit into what the Vision 6-9 model of this team was aiming to achieve? Or... Uh, Would they have to employ two separate schemes when he's on and off the court? Can they use both next season potentially? And here's where I come down on this. The Raptors should be playing more than one style of defense. They should be testing out different things. Ultimately, though... I think the Raptors are going to have to take a long, hard look in the mirror. They might not have to. Maybe Nick Nurse is gone and some new philosophy comes in that wants a more sort of stable, drop-style defense with Yak as the anchor, and maybe that solves this problem. Um, But, you know, I think Yak showed he can kind of hang out a little bit as far as, you know, bringing his feet up to the level of the screen and still tracking back and staying in front of guys relatively well. It's not his biggest strength by any means, but he can do it in a pinch. Um, He's got good footwork, all that. Ultimately though I do think if you're going to have Yacperle on your team if you're going to invest in him being your center do the thing he does best he's best as a drop big amplify the strengths of your players that is something the Raptors did not do this season I think nearly enough and that's something that you know is going to require if Nick Nurse is back Changing up the philosophy a little bit, I think. Um, if it's not Nick Nurse, maybe some someone comes in and just realizes, hmm, 7 1 big man who's good as a drop big. I guess we should probably have him be a drop big and play drop most of the time. Um, you know, th- that's very possible as well that some head coach comes in and has that winning idea of playing the big rim protecting man near the rim where he can rim protect. Um, but yeah, ultimately, I'm not opposed to multiple styles of playing defense. I think the Raptors got far too stuck in on the way they play defense this season. It's not just about Yak. It's about everybody. It's about the tack, the, the tax that it is on all these guys' bodies to play that aggressive defense all season long. It's hard to uphold for 82 games, not to mention the, the mistakes that inherently come from playing a high-risk style of defense. Those mistakes pile up. They can be the margins between winning and losing. As much as Yak is great, he can't clean up everything. There are still going to be messes that seep through and end up in the bottom of the bucket. And I think, in general... If Yak is on the team, there's got to be a little bit more of a conservative approach to the defense. And it's they should be able to do that as well, because they have OG, one of the best wing defenders alive. Shout out to him. I think he finished 8th or 7th in uh, all defense voting, or sorry, defensive player of the year voting. Awesome for OG. We'll see about all defense soon. Um, but like you have OG, incredible on-ball defender. You have Pascal, who can slide his feet and stay in front of most guys as well. You know, his defensive ability wax and wane this year I think a little bit, but um, you know, when he really needs to ratchet it up, he can ratchet it up. He was the best guy they had for Zach Levine, for example, in that play-in game. Um, you know, the whole defense has a chance here to get better with conservatism and uh, just trusting the guys on the team to be good defenders. And with Yak there to clean things up at the back, you can sprinkle in some more aggressive stuff, blitz the odd time, all that stuff, but um, the core defense I think should amplify the most important defensive player on the team. And as great as OG is, the rim-protecting center is your most important player, and you have to adapt your defense to that player. It's what the Bucs have done with Brook Lopez, but even this year, yes, Lopez is primarily a drop big, but they've worked him a little bit more this season as a guy who can stretch out to the level of the screen, who can switch on to guys. That stuff you then layer in on top of the very good baseline that you've set for yourself, I think that's kind of where the Raptors have to go here and sort of reconstruct this defense from the ground up, with Yaka Pirtle's best skills and strengths in mind. The dude can protect the hell out of the rim. Give him a shot to do it. Don't put yourself in a position where you're having him pulled out to the basket by your own accord. There will be times where he does get pulled away by shooting bigs. That's part of the deal. But you don't need to go and invite that when you don't have to, I guess is the way I would put it. Either way... Thanks for the question, Jay Rich. Thanks to everyone who sent in questions about Yak. If I didn't get to them in the episode, I'll probably get you in the Discord with a quick reply at some point today as well. Um, but get in the Discord, baby. Get those questions in for our future player reviews. Tomorrow, we are going to take a look at one OG Ananobi building off of the strength of his uh, high finish in the defensive player that you're voting. I'm hoping Katie Heindel is along for that. Um, But either way, thank you so much for tuning in to the show. Making us your first listen every day. Shout out to the everydayers out there. If you are an everyday listener of the show, let us know in the comments. It's always nice to get that little nudge as well from those who are for some reason deciding that I am a voice and face you need to see and hear every day. And I thank you so much for for that bizarre decision that you have made. You're the best. You're my best friends in the whole wide world. See this parasocial relationship goes two ways, baby. Anyway, we'll wrap it there. Thank you very, very much and uh go and check out Locked On Leafs today. Crossover episode time with Locked On Lightning as they preview Game 1, Leafs and Lightning tonight in Toronto. I'm not going to throw up. You're going to throw up. Uh <laughs> with that, We will talk to you again on Wednesday. And uh, reminder, follow, subscribe to rate, review all the good stuff on all the different channels, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. And uh, thank you so, so much for hanging. Bye-bye.
0: Hey, Prime members.